0: And I think for him that that was that was the main uh, you know the main reason why he went for it. Really, the main reason was the price. <laughs> I mean, when you're buying something for seven thirty, that's clearly worth eight fifty plus. Uh, you know, it's a no brainer.
1: This is Property Investory where we talk to successful property investors to find out more about their stories, mindset, and strategies. I'm Torrance Shum, and in this episode of Invest Like a Pro, presented by Housefinder, we're speaking with property buyer's agent Simon Liu. You'll hear how he came across a 1,000 square meter splitter block deal just 8 kilometers from Brisbane CBD, where his client bought that property under market value and got rented back for 12 months, securing their cash flow from day one. What a dream! Did you know you can also get the show notes from our website for this episode? It's got Simon Liu's main strategies, tips, and secrets that can be useful in your own property journey. These show notes will give you the inside scoop on the little gold nuggets of wisdom, all I guess share from the backstory and all the overall strategies and philosophies. Yep, I think you're going to get a lot from it just from these show notes. So just head over to propertyinvestory.com forward slash notes and download it today. So now let's delve into the meat of today's episode. Lou begins by giving some background on the client he nailed down this awesome investment for.
0: He's a pretty high income earner uh, in the sense that he's in the medical profession. Uh, you know, he's, uh, he's, he's got a number of properties already, established portfolio, a very established portfolio actually that's, uh, that's, that's been, uh, it been, been, been doing quite well for him over the past past several years. Uh, so when when he came to me and we started working get together, he um, he wanted a, a property that he could add value to, you know, not not simply just a property where he could buy and hold and, and wait for capital growth. Um, he also didn't value the cash flow component too well, too much. Sorry, not too well, because he was was a very high income earner, and also he uh, you know he already had a bunch of properties that was producing already. Uh, passive income for him so, you know, it wasn't super, super important.
1: Just to find out what was his goals behind purchasing more properties because if he's high income earning, he's got an existing portfolio that's also got cash flow, does that mean he could potentially, you know, retire from what he's doing or is there other motivations behind this?
0: I think for him, it was mostly uh, uh, a sense of just putting his money to work. You know, like uh, when when we work with uh, people who do uh, have high, higher incomes, you know, and they're very focused on their job, their 9-to-5 or their day-to-day job, they really sometimes don't have much um, of an idea on where to put all that income at the end of the day. Like, It's certainly a very good problem to have.
1: Exactly that, you know, if I've got that much money, hmm, what should I do with it? You can't spend it all, you know, all the time.
0: Yeah. So, interestingly, when we first uh, had that conversation, he he didn't actually have too much of a goal he he just you know he knew property was a good long-term investment um and he just bought properties uh you know when whenever he had the opportunity to financially um and he just ended up in a position where he uh you know obviously he he, he got he got quite lucky with the the recent booms uh that 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 that's happened in sydney um and he just wanted to continue that That kind of process. But I guess once we started talking, you know, we kind of really drilled down to, okay, cool. You know what? Okay. It's great that you're spending this money and you're actually investing it and you're not just spending it on, uh, on, 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 on silly things. Um, you know, but let's work out a strategy, you know, let's work out a goal. Like what do you really want to achieve, uh, in five years or 10 years or 15 years? And that'll give you a lot more direction rather than just sort of blindly, you know, buying the next property that comes up or kind of, uh, you know, getting getting pulled in, you know, every every direction. You know, if you speak to a a, a so called expert, or if you if you listen to what's happening in the media, or if you listen to your family, friends, or colleagues, you know, they're always telling you something different um, about uh, about the, the the property market. You know, what's the next hot spot? Where to buy? Where not to buy? All that kind of stuff. So, you know, when we worked out a little bit of a um, a strategy for him, um, it was definitely more skewed towards generating passive income, you know, like most of most of my investors, most of my clients and most investors in general, they they really invest in property with the notion that they can have the opportunity or have the choice to retire early if they wanted to. Uh, and retiring early is different for everybody. You know, some people can live an extremely comfortable uh, retirement with $50,000 of passive income uh, and some, you know, maybe want uh, $200,000 of passive income. You know, to 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 be comfortable. So you know, it's you know, different people, different lifestyles, uh, different expectations, all that kind of stuff. So you know, when we worked backwards from this uh, from this particular client, you know, we we kind of figured out, okay, if your ten year goal was X amount of passive income, then we need to you know work backwards and find out the types of properties we need to buy, um, how how frequently we need to buy them uh, over the next ten years. Uh, for you to get to that point where you have that passive income and have that choice of not having to work, you know, uh, nine to five or or, or full time or whatever it might be. So you know, when we work backwards, we actually set out with the intention just to buy good deals. In all honesty, you know, we we just wanted to buy. Like he he wasn't definitely buying in the more sort of four hundred thousand three hundred thousand dollar affordable market. He was looking at more blue chip options, nonetheless. Um, but he was always also, you know, quite interested in, in buying or, or looking at opportunities where you can add real value to them, you know, meaning either subdivision or developments or uh, something along those lines. So, what happened with this particular house was um, it, it, it was an off-market deal. Uh, the the agent that we were working with for this house, we literally bought a, a property off him maybe about two weeks prior. So we're still fresh in his minds that, you know, my buyers are looking for uh, opportunities where we can make a, a quick deal happen, you know, where we can, uh, you know, if, if the seller is in a situation or in a particular situation where they need to sell it urgently or they need to sell it, uh, you know, quietly as an off market, or maybe if they need to just sell it under a certain set of circumstances, then... You know, that's where that's where I can make the the deal happen as smoothly as possible for their seller. So anyway, he called me up. He's like, "Look, I've got this house. Um, it's in uh, it's in it's in a suburb that's only eight kilometres from Brisbane CBD, uh, and it's a three bedroom brick house. You know, fairly standard. The people living there um, uh, was actually the reason why I managed to secure the property for the price that we did, which was a, an extremely good price." Uh, and the, the main reason was that these sellers needed to stay inside the house for the next 12 months. So so the selling agent gave me two options. He said, look, if we can get the deal done, but they either want a super long settlement uh, or they want to rent the property back for the next 12 months. So... For my clients, which are mostly investors, that's music to our ears. You know, when we buy a property where the seller is willing to rent the property back out, then that that means a couple of things. Number one, secure cash flow and income from day one of settlement. Um, the other thing is they've lived in there as an owner-occupier for, you know, wh- however many years, in this case, over 10 years. So they... You know, they're not going. It's unlikely they're going to be the type of tenants that are, you know, going to do anything untowardly towards the house in terms of malicious damage. Um, you know, they they know and understand, I guess, the cosmetic faults of the house already. So it's unlikely you're going to get, you know, tons and tons of maintenance calls. Um, and they're, they're they're relatively secure as well. You know, obviously when we when we do these rent back options for sellers. We still need to do background checks. We need to make sure they're still employed. We need to make sure they're not on like a ticker database, which is a database uh, for, for for tenants that have done the wrong thing in the past. Um, and, you know, all those boxes came back clear. So, okay, cool. Let's go with the the rent back option for 12 months. Um, the rent was agreed to, which was market rent. Um, and we managed to pick up a deal, th- this particular property for $730,000.
1: That is a fantastic deal just because I was just going to say it's pretty much all laid out on a silver platter for you saying, look, I've got a tenant, I've got an investment property plus, you know, there's there's even more upside to it which we're going to be talking about shortly but my gosh, this is like, you know, the ideal deal that an investor would be looking for day in, day
0: out. Yeah, I mean, it's it was very good in the sense that there was no, there was no competition which is very crucial in this current market. Like a house like this, if it was put on market with with a lot of people fighting over it, you know, more than likely, you would go for significantly more money. Um, When we looked at comparables, we're probably looking at around about the $850,000 mark in terms of direct comparable sales.
1: Wow. So, you got yourself like almost 100K under.
0: (laughs) Yeah, almost 100K under. And that's just comparing this particular house to your standards, other three-bedroom sort of brick houses in the area. But What was actually um, interesting about this house was it was on a thousand and it was on above a thousand square meter block, so a thousand and seventeen, just from memory, and it was actually a splitter block, so you could actually just cut it in half. Um, So you had that development development potential as well.
1: And for the listeners out there, we should probably explain what a splitter block compared to like a subdivision. So. Um, I guess with the subdivision for example, you would have to go in and actually do uh, you know all the paperwork to get the titles, you have to lay all the construction for the pipeworks and, contru- and capital works and so forth to do a subdivision. That's, that's usually when you find a block that you can split in half. For a splitter block and this is quite a common thing in Brisbane and uh, I guess across the Queensland area, a split block is where it already has two existing titles on it and all you need to do is actually just sign some paperwork and split these two blocks back into its original titles. And for some strange reason, <laughs> um, in in Queensland, there's a lot of these type of things, and these things save a lot of money because, from experience, actually trying to do a subdivision, not a split a subdivision, costs quite a lot of money to be able to just get all that paperwork and also all the capital works installed. Whereas with the existing split block, they've already got most of that stuff already done for you, and it's just sitting there because, for some odd reason, people have just joined these two blocks together because they want a big block.
0: Yeah, correct. And look, I mean, it's it, it. I mean, it sounds like a deal. That's like a dream deal. But I will say that there are a few anomalies.
1: Let's talk it through.
0: One of the main things was that there is a, there is a massive tree on the block, um, and when I say massive, it's 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 huge. Like it's it's probably um, it's right in the middle of the block. Um, it's probably going to cost somewhere around $5, a five thousand dollars bucks to get rid of, which in the scheme of things is not a lot, but it's it's still there. The other thing about this house was it's it's a brick house on a slab and it's right in the middle. So if you did want to split it at some point in time, you would probably have to get rid of the house if you obviously wanted to, to develop, you know, two separate houses or, or whatever it might be. Um, but for my buyer, it wasn't, or for my client, it wasn't uh, It wasn't a huge concern because, you know, we were buying the property for so cheap that he had no intention of developing the property immediately anyway. So for him, it was just, we buy the property, it's a good rentable house that he can just literally land bank um, until such time that he's ready or he's financially um, able to actually, you know, demolish the house, split it, build some new houses on it. And if we're looking, like, I, I won't name the suburb just to protect my uh, my my buyer's um, uh, privacy. but um, But if we look at comparable sales, like these brand new houses on tiny blocks that are being built in these suburbs, are commanding, you know, in currently, well over a million bucks each, uh, you know. So if you were to, you know, sometimes in the in the in the two three million, depending on, you know, the type of property. I mean, we're only, we're only talking about AKs from the CBD. So, you know, it's it's it, there's definitely a lot of potential. Um, the other thing I would say is, you know, I obviously with this particular client, our high income earners, so cash flow wasn't super important. So when we even though we paid $730,000 for the property, the rental, uh, the 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 market rent for this property was only about sort of 450 to 480 mark, um, as is. Uh, So look, I mean, it's not super bad. I think you know, given current interest rates, you're you're pretty much hovering on neutral, neutrally geared territory, um, not not including depreciation. Uh, You know, so your head would still be above water uh, from a uh, from a cash flow perspective, but you know, just marginally. Uh, so, you know, it's not for every investor obviously but, you know, the opportunities are are, are everywhere. You know, it's not just limited to properties in affordable areas. Uh, obviously, you can get these kinds of deals uh, in, in, in more sort of blue chip suburbs as well.
1: Yeah, that's really fascinating. I mean like, yes, so even purchasing at that $700,000 is definitely from what I can see more like an equity play. It's not really a cash flow play at this point in time. But in saying that, if the tenant after they've stayed there and moved out and they knocked the whole house down, I don't know if they would want to do that um, just so that they could actually split the whole block of land and sell it off, I think itself would be worth quite a bit or they could even do a play where they knock down the whole place, split it and then build brand new duplexes or whatever on it and it'd be worth quite substantial because if you sell each individual one off and you're looking at brand new, man, it could be what $1.5 million worth around that area.
0: Yeah, I mean it's a it's a type of property where you have to spend money to make money, um, and you know like, but the, the like if we do the feasibility even based on today's numbers, like there's 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 definitely a lot of margin in it, you know if we if you were to knock it down, split it, build new houses, and just sort of sell it off as is, but you know for this buyer, you know I think he's just he just he's just happy that he's got a, a a property that has that opportunity, but also generates an income. You know, while he waits, um, and I think for him that, that was that was the main uh, you know the main reason why he went for it. Really, the main reason was the price. <laughs> I mean, when you're buying something for seven thirty, that's clearly worth eight fifty plus. Uh, you know, it's a no-brainer.
1: Coming up on the second half of the episode, Simon Liu and I continue to discuss the splitter block deal that he secured for his client.
0: But when you do, you know, get all those stars aligned and it just happens then that's, it's, it's such a, a, a booster, you know, for your portfolio as an investor because you're no longer relying on just capital growth.
1: Lou advises why sometimes it's better not to push for more money from the seller.
0: So, you know, normally with the building and pest inspections, when I do them, I do go, you know, I do renegotiate, I do go hard and, and try and get more money off uh, for my client. Um, but this time around there was no need to.
1: We find out the seller's motivation for renting back the property they sold to lose client.
0: So them again, it wasn't about achieving the highest price. Um, it was about you know finding a buyer that was happy A to obviously have them stay for the next 12 months. but also being able to just quickly complete the deal from a financial perspective.
1: And that's coming up next. I'm Tarun Sharm and you're listening to Property Investory. Have you been looking for months and getting frustrated that each property you've seen since be a lemon or are you after distress, off-market, high cash flow properties in high growth areas, capital city locations? If you answered yes to either of these questions, you are not alone. For being a loyal listener of the podcast, Simon Liu is offering a free one-hour strategy session normally valued at $500 to help put together an actionable property plan. To get your free strategy session. Simply visit housefinder.com.au and fill out the contact form or call Simon directly on 0415 626 342 and quote property invest story. Even though there are a lot of great deals out there, they can be hard to come by and even harder to win.
0: These deals are out there, you know, like a lot of people um, uh, are are always skeptical of uh, and rightly so, because you know, in the world of property, you know, it's not—it's never obvious that uh, you can buy a property for below what it's worth. Uh, but when you do, and look, I, I will admit that it's not the easiest thing to achieve. Um, you know, like I always say, ninety-nine percent of people when they sell a house, they always want the highest price. But when you do, you know, get all those stars aligned and it just happens, then that's—it's—it's it's such a a, a booster. You know, for your portfolio as an investor, because you're no longer relying on just capital growth, which is what most investors do. They buy a house, you know, presumably in you know, in a quote unquote hotspot, or you know, in a, in an area that that's it's going to boom, um, and they hope for the best. But if you do it um, counter counterproductive, well, not counterproductively, but you know, obviously, you know, just buy well on the way in. It means that you you uh, you minimise all your risk, and you've got so much more upside. You know, even if you were to move on to like a next property or uh, or just to sit there and do nothing.
1: Lou moves on to explain the motivation behind the seller's uncommon desire to sell the splitter block under market value and rent it back from the buyer.
0: So this particular owner, um, it was a little bit of an interesting situation. I mean, most distressed situations are financial, but for these guys, it it actually wasn't. Uh, these sellers, as far as I knew, uh, weren't in financial distress. In fact, the reason why they wanted to rent the property back was because they were building a dream home uh, in a completely different suburb. And for that to happen, I believe they needed a couple of things. They needed that rent back option um, so that they could, you know, stay in this property while they were building that house, that new house, which was going to take obviously twelve months or thereabouts. Um, And the other thing is they needed this sale of this particular property to go through relatively quickly for them to find being able to financially obtain finance to begin the build or begin the construction or maybe to even secure the other property that they have. So when you come along, you know, for them, again, it wasn't about achieving the highest price. Um, It was about. You know, finding a buyer that was happy a to obviously have them stay for the next twelve months, but also being able to just quickly complete the deal from a financial perspective so that they can obtain finance to start the next project. So I think those two main those two reasons were, um, you know, played a lot in this in the fact that we managed to secure the property for the price that we did. Um, you know, like it, it, it's really bizarre, you know. There are a lot of people out there that you know well, I mean I talk about distressed properties all the time with people needing to sell because you know maybe they've lost their job or you know whatever the reason might be. but there are a lot of investors out there that you know are you know maybe maybe quite wealthy and they've, they're actually they may have maybe facing a extremely good opportunity that they need to sink their teeth in immediately. that's time sensitive. And they actually when they're it up, they, it doesn't even matter if they lose money to to free up some assets so they can pursue that property, or I wouldn't say lose money, but not you know get the maximum maximum return on it. So it's funny how a lot of these situations play out. I think you know again, there's a bit of a misconception that buying distressed properties is you know in, in some ways kind of preying on 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 people's disadvantages, but you know sometimes it could be just literally someone who doesn't care <laughs> or maybe someone that has you know something much better on their plate so they they're, they're happy to forego um uh Forgo, forgo, what, what, you know something that they already have if it meets all their requirements.
1: I heard back a while ago, Tim Ferriss, when he was actually I guess looking to sell all his properties and sell off all, all of his stuff in that's in there you know whether it be kitchen stuff, dining tables etc in one of his properties. He said look you know I was happy to offload them for less than like 50% off because him, you know, his hour is, I mean his time that he earns his money is much more valuable than him actually placing an ad online or getting an agent to sell his property. He would make, you know, multiple times more than what he would sell all those things for. So he said, look, you know, I'm, I'm better off just to let these things go because it frees up his mind to actually focus on what's going to generate more revenue from his kind of thing. So, you know, I, I remember just reading a post that he just offloaded, you know, properly and he just said that one was giving him a bit of a headache. He didn't care, just sold it off and he knew that was worth a lot more than what he p- paid for it but he still, you know, let it go and then he just focused on what he was actually best at which was to generate more revenue from, you know, his other startup deals and so forth because they're worth multiple times more and it happens all the time. I mean, even from the, the most... I guess everyday you know, mum and dad kind of investors or mum and dad biased all the way to you know successful investors and so forth because they can just look at what they're currently doing and then just weigh it up and uh, I guess it just comes back down to knowledge as well. You know what we know might be a lot more knowledge than what the other person who may, have, may not have known that he had he was sitting on a splitter block and he didn't really care. So. It's fascinating what you know because if I go back 10 years ago, I would have not even known what a splitter block is until I've learned about it and you don't realize these things until you actually get educated or you know, actually even go through and do one then you realize hold on, it's actually not that hard to do and you can actually make uh, quite a bit of money on it as well too but you just got to know what to do.
0: Yeah. And I think that the term, you know, someone else's cash is another man's treasure. <laughs> I mean, that comes into play here, you know, just on a larger scale, I guess. <laughs> we're talking, you know, property, which is obviously, you know, quite an expensive endeavor. But, you know, different people at different levels of invest- their investing journey. Uh, you know, and I think, um, I think, you know, as investors, wherever we're at, it's important that we just maximize uh, our own opportunities, you know, not worry about what anyone else is doing. Uh, and just sort of focus on our own strategy and our own goals. And if if a property that just happens to come up like this, um, yeah, definitely go for it. You know, there's, um, there's, uh, you know, some obviously do due, due diligence to ensure that there's no sort of red flags. Because sometimes when some when things are too good to be true, sometimes they could be. But at the same time, you know, uh, you can you can obviously find these opportunities uh, as well.
1: Yeah, for sure. So I guess wanting to sort of understand as well, what kind of due diligence did you do on this particular property? Because um, did you did you have a chance to also negotiate this even more um, after the building pest inspection, or was the property itself you know okay and you guys were able to just still go in at the price?
0: Look, initially we um, you know the, the seller was extremely transparent with us. Um, you know, when we went into the deal, he obviously he's been living there for a number of years, and it was in his best interest just to tell us everything rather than, oh, you know, we'll just we'll just hope that he doesn't find out there was any issues with the house. Um, look, there wasn't any issues, anything wrong with the house structurally. Uh, you know, apart from the big tree, you know, there was nothing wrong with the roots, uh, you know, going under the slab or anything like that, uh, which is common for a house uh, where there's big trees on the property. Um, there, was, there were some issues with branches and leaves, you know, um, uh, you know falling into the gutters uh, which, uh, which would be blocked uh, quite, uh, quite a lot. Uh, and some gutters were, were showing a little bit of rust. So just a few little cosmetic things here and there um, that, uh, that, that they were extremely upfront to us about. Um, initially, the seller did want a higher price. Uh, but you know, once once they were very transparent with a lot of these problems, we were like, look, you know, we're still going to do a BMP, um, we're still going to do these inspections and do our due diligence. Um, but you know, we're we're buying at the at the at the negotiated contract price based on the acceptance that this house is not a hundred percent perfect. You know, again, no structural issues, but uh, you know, obviously, just ensuring that. We know that my buyer and we are of the understanding that there's probably a few little cosmetic things here and there So I think for him like it was I think for this particular deal It was just transparency and honesty was probably the main the, one of the main driving forces um, You know, they were very transparent to us and we were very transparent to them um, And you know, I think it it, it created a, a win-win situation so, you know, you normally with the building and pest inspections, when I do them, I do go, you know, I do renegotiate. I do go hard and, and try and get more money off uh, for my client. Um, but this time around, th- there was no need to because we negotiated the price so well on the contract price already. Um, and anything more would have been, uh, would have been, you uh, just, look, I mean, I'd say downright greedy, <laughs> in all honesty. And the other thing you have to remember is, like, you know, if these guys are planning to live in there for the next 12 months, you know, that's that's kind of in our favour as well, even though it's also to their benefit. But you kind of want to maintain a bit of a, 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 a peaceful uh, relationship. You know, like, if you – I mean, if we drilled every last dollar, you know, if, like, every – $10 there's hundreds of dollars or whatever it might be you know it, it may it may end up costing you more in the future uh you know if they're not happy there and they just sort of pipe up and say well you know as tenants i want you to now fix everything uh you know we you know they can sort of um exercise those rights so sometimes you know if if you get a good enough deal you, there's it's kind of it's not really necessary to push to the absolute limits based on certain circumstances um, and we felt like this was the case. So, you know, like with that said, though, you know, the building and when we did it, it came back pretty clear. You know, there was nothing, um, you know, obviously with the just a standard sort of typical wear and tear stuff, you know, a bit of uh, uh, some, chip, uh, some chip paint work in the walls, uh, you know, obviously some gutters that were full, um, little things here and there that that weren't worth negotiating off anyway. Um, and wasn't going to cost my client much money to fix, if anything at all. Um actually now that I mentioned that, the uh when we did do the building and pest, the seller uh did offer to over the next twelve months fix up a lot of the things that came up on the building and pest. Uh you know, as part of as part of his uh as part of his uh you know obviously his his him just tenanting the place. Um so I mean that's another benefit of uh of 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 you know having that rent back option is a lot of the times these sellers, even though they've sold the house, they're still quite house proud. You know, obviously it's it's a it's an emotional attachment for them, especially if they've got family and kids and stuff that grew up there. So they, they don't want to trash the place. That in fact they probably want to improve it. Um, you know, look after it while they're still there. So, you know, again, just a win win situation for everybody.
1: Property Investor.